I can't remember when I walked out if I said my name or not, um, but if I didn't, and this is your first time at Grace, I'm so glad that you're with us. My name's Tim, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and uh, we're going to begin a new series today called Rooted Rhythms, and the purpose of this series is to look at different disciplines, uh, practices in our life that help us stay grounded in who God wants us to be and how He wants us to live and how we can align our lives in such a way that we most experience him and walk closely with him. We have uh, a community group that you could sign up for in the church called Rooted, and it's going to go through the things that we do in this series in a lot more depth. Uh, we're going to get in a little bit to what's in that community group, but it's lasts an entire semester, and uh, we really would love for everybody at Grace, no matter where you're at in your journey with God, to spend at least one semester in a community group that's doing Rooted uh, as it walks through uh, so many scriptures and biblical truths. Uh, but that's what we're going to be doing uh, this month, the month of August. And you'll get a chance to hear different pastors present uh, the topics and ways that we can connect to God through these practices in our life. What I'm going to do this morning is we're going to talk about how to live a living testimony. In Rooted, they talk about these two topics of how to share our story, how to share what God's done and doing in our life, and how to live a daily life of worship or celebration over God. And so we're going to explore how to have a living testimony this morning. Now, as we do that, I want to ask all of us a question this morning. And that question is, church, do you know your purpose? When you wake up each day, is there a little bit of an excitement or a trust or a hope because you're like, I know what this day is for. Now, some days we're not going to feel that way. Some days we're just burned out and uh, we don't want to wake up. Um, but that's normal too. That's life. But more days than not, do you feel a sense of purpose, of calling, of enthusiasm to begin the day, whether you're a student a mom, a dad, uh, you work somewhere, whatever you're doing, do you feel a sense of purpose? I know one of the mo memories that comes back to me where I really fe felt uh, a sense of purpose in my life and I was I spent the summer after my first year of college out at a camp in the Rocky Mountains in Colorado. And it was a Christian camp called Idrahaji, uh, which stood for I'd Rather Have Jesus. And we worked with students of all ages. Yeah, I see some of you guys going, Iraji. Yeah, I thought the same thing when I signed up. I'm like, what, what is his name? But it was an acronym for I'd Rather Have Jesus. And uh, this Christian camp had been there for over 50 years in the, the Rocky Mountains. And uh, we were just going to spend time with, with students. Uh, there was, there was a, for the young kids, kindergarten and second grade. Or there was a teepee camp. That was my favorite. We actually slept in these huge teepees out in the mountains there for fourth through sixth grade. And then we had a camp for middle schoolers and high schoolers. And every week, uh, counselors from Christian universities, we, we spent our summer there. And we'd get a new group of students. And I'd get eight to ten campers that were going to be in my cabin or my teepee. And as I thought about what I wanted from this summer, I thought, I want to share the gospel with every single kid that gets to stay in my cabin this summer. My parents had sent me to a camp as a kid, and I remember the way the counselors had loved on me and 
told me a little bit about Jesus. And I thought, I don't know if they've heard about Jesus or not before. And they're going to hear a lot in the chapels and during the games. And they're going to have a study scripture for the week. But personally, I'm going to make sure that I tell them what the gospel is. And so every week, the week would begin, and I'd write down the names of my new campers, and I would pray for them. I would pray for them that week, and I'd make it a point to sometime after our campfire or uh, we were cooking our meals to pull them aside one-on-one and talk to them and ask them what they knew about the Lord and, and share the gospel. And it was a great feeling every single week to know this was what I wanted. Besides being a good counselor, I wanted to share the gospel with every single student. You know, church, I think a lot these days, the last couple years, about my life. And I think about the fact that one day it's going to come to an end. And I think a lot about it ending. And I think a lot about our city. And I think a lot about what is the church, and not just Grace Bible Church, but what is the church, Christians in Laredo gathering together in different places, what is it going to look like 20 years from now, 30 years from now? What, what would it be like? And what would we like it to be like? What would we like to see God do in our community as people following him uh, now all the way through 20 to 30 years? What will it look like with our kids? Uh, will there be several churches that have multiplied like Grace Bible Church? Will, will the churches that are here, will they become stronger and healthier and living out their purpose? The reality is, is that if we feel some sort of purpose towards our work, towards our family, towards this church, towards anything, we have things that pull against that purpose. And by no means this is an extensive list, but I started thinking about how we can get anxiety because we're fallen and imperfect. Or we can get frustration or disappointment and, and instead of feeling purpose, feel judgment towards ourselves or others. Uh, we can begin, because of those, those disappointments, to gossip. Uh, we can feel apathy. We begin to try to escape uh, rather than trying. Or we overachieve and we ignore certain areas of our life and we become workaholics or perfectionists in, in one area, ignoring others. Um, whatever it is, the devil wants to sow into us doubt, discouragement, disappointment, fear, anxiety. And even we, we study society today and they say anxiety is at an all-time high. And so even as Christians that we could open the Bible and we could think, I think I know my purpose and I've thought about it, what my, my purpose is as a mom or a dad or whatever our careers or whatever our role is in society or as a kid, we think we know our purpose we sometimes stray from it or become disappointed in it or doubt it or become bitter or all these different things. My hope for our time in God's word today and in this rooted rhythm of life is to examine a few scriptures that might give us some encouragement on how we can live with a sense of purpose, a living testimony day in and day out. Wherever, how we're encouraged we are in our purpose today, whether we're super encouraged or super discouraged. And so I want to invite you to turn to the first passage we're going to study this morning, and that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled 
underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This passage, Jesus is telling us some of our purpose that we're meant to be a light to others. That when people see our lives as someone that says, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he's my savior. I believe he's my hope. I believe he's my daily help, my daily portion. That when people see us, that there should be something that appears at some point to be different. Hopefully not just the way we look, right? When they, when it's not that, that we look a certain way as Christians, but that as they see how we react to situations, they say, how are you reacting to that situation that way? How are you not angry about that? Or how are you able to be patient in this situation? Or they should see something in us that points out to a hope, to something that's different. First Peter 3.15 says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. A lot of times when we read chapter 3 of Peter and we get to this verse, we think about knowing how to share the gospel. But this verse is so much more than that. It says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. It means that every day we should have a sense of awe, of worship, of desire to obey him. Worship in our life is obedience to what God desires. John 14, 15 says, if we love him, we will obey what he has taught us. You guys can leave that verse up here for a little bit. If we, if we love him, we will obey what he's commanded. And so worship is, is trust. Obedience just comes down to trust. And we're not going to trust God if we're too far from his people, especially if we're too far from his word. His word, when we read it each day, it gives us the opportunity. And I'm not going to jive too much into your sermon, Joey, because uh, Joey's going to talk a lot more about this next week. So brief, brief note. But when we get into God's word... It helps us to know, it, it, see the difference in ourselves, in our sin, and God and his goodness. And we begin to see, this is not all of who I am. God, help me to be this way. Help me to live this way. Help me to think this way. And so worship comes down to trusting and obeying God. But Peter says, in your hearts, revere Christ. If we're far from him, we can't revere him. If we're too focused on circumstances, uh, that are without his perspective, we won't revere him. We need to revere God every single day. I love Jesus' instructions to us in the Lord's Prayer. This comes out in the book of Matthew. He says, you know, um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I used to quote that prayer all the time in high school before basketball games because we would pray together as a team in a, in a public school, which is pretty cool. Uh, and to be honest, there were some words coming out in the prayer like that one that as a, even as a high school student, probably should have known that for the SAT, but I had no idea what we were saying. I was just like, you know, I understand. And then I got to that part and I'm, I, you know, must mean something good. But I had no idea what hollowed meant. I had to look that up. 
And it, it means the same thing. It just means to revere him, to honor God, to respect him, to have a holy fear of him and his, his goodness, his holiness, and recognize that we're not holy. But the goodness is, is that he wants to draw near to us. He's made a way for us to draw near to him through Jesus Christ. And so one of the ways that we can have a living testimony is to begin our day each day with realizing how great God is, how loving he is, how holy he is, how perfect he is, and to say, God, I want to honor you. I, I want to worship you. I, I often, and I, this probably comes out too many of my sermons, but I'm confessing my problems. I'll try to pray that prayer frequently. And whenever, this goes back to high school, whenever I say that, hollow be your name, I used to think about how I would drive from my house to the high school. And I was like, God, I'm going to have to change something in how I drive for your name to be hollowed, revered, because there's no representation of your goodness or your holiness by the way that I make my turns and by the speed that I go. They are not going to think there is a believer behind this wheel, right? Unless, you know, anyway. So, and even to this day, I have to pray like, okay, God, let my driving glorify you. And it doesn't stop there. There's so many things from moment to moment that I'd say, help me glorify you in these ways. And so we can pray, hallowed be thy name. Help me to glorify you, God. And as his prayer goes on, he says, give us our daily bread. Whatever we're going to fail him, wherever we're going to struggle, we can ask for God's help that day. He continues in, in 1 Peter, he says, as you revere Christ as Lord, be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for your hope. So obviously our hope should be apparent. There should be something different, hopeful about us when we face the problems of our family, of work, and so on and so forth. And he says, be prepared to give an answer. Now many of us feel unequipped to share the truth of God for a lot of reasons, valid or invalid, we feel unequipped. And briefly, you know, this is the story of God. If you go back and you begin at the beginning in Genesis, we hear there's perfection, perfect creation. But we, as a people, chose to rebel against God. Adam and Eve rebelled against God and sin entered the world. And so there was the fall. There was the garden, perfection, there was the fall and then God in his grace gave a solution to us through Jesus Christ. It says in Romans 5.8 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 3.23 that the, the world is, is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Romans 6.23 tells us that, that because of the fall, there's sin and separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal righteousness. And the gospel is so simple to say that God desires there to be connectedness, wholeness. As he created the garden. But sin has entered this world and he did not leave us alone in our sin. But he sent Jesus. And if we believe in him, follow him. We're not saved by our obedience and following him. But believe what he's done for us. It forgives us of our sins. And our life is meant to follow him and be experience him every single day, experience his provision, experience his love, and let that be a testimony to everyone else that, that we would join him in, in sharing what's good and sharing his truth. Revelation 21.5 says that God is making all things new. Church, do you believe it? I don't believe it in my body right now. I got so many pains and things, but this isn't the end of the story. 
One day my body will be made new. I'm still praying for healing on this side. I'm trying to do the best I can in, in my 40s. But everything that's broken points to restoration. Some things now this side of heaven, some things till we get to heaven. And we get to testify to others. There's hope. There is hope. This is not the end of the story. Turn to God now, both for then and for now, because he is what's best every single day. And so, church, the question I want to ask us is, right now, and I feel like this is such a churchy question, and, but it's a serious one. Right now, is your life pointing others to Jesus Christ? Are you helping point your spouse there? Or is there ways that, eh, something's a little bit out of alignment? You know, I really haven't been in the Bible. I really haven't been praying. Kind of hard to love my spouse and lead them to Jesus when I'm pretty far from abiding in God. Or this is the first time in church in a while and you're thinking, I need to be with other believers. If I'm going to lead my spouse to Christ, I've got to be closer to the believers as well. Your kids... As a parent of young kids, it's just, whew, could go with a lot there. But are you helping lead your kids closer to God? We talked about going back to school, teachers, kids. I'll never forget, I was, I talked about basketball. In high school, that's all I cared about. A few of the things I liked, a girl that I had a crush on here and there. But I just cared about basketball. Playing basketball. That was my thing. I remember when I made the varsity, I was like, yes, that's it. You know, it was the ultimate. Okay, like, and I remember one year, I started to get this disappointment over me. And I thought, you know, all you really care about is playing on the basketball team. And I remember God got a hold of my heart. I, I went away for a summer. I was at a university and I was with some other believers. Believe it or not, that could have changed me. We read some books about God. I read this book by C.S. Lewis called Mere Christianity. And I started thinking about my life. And I, and I just remember saying to God, God, if I'm going to play sports this year, I only want to do it if it's for you. And not just take this out of my life. And I don't have time today to tell the full story, but I have multiple friends on that team that finished seminary and are doing ministry. One's a Christian director at a program, and he was in Dallas, now he's in Louisiana. One's a, a coach in the NBA who's a believer, uh, multiple stories of my friends that became believers. And in high school, they weren't all believers. We'd ride on the buses together. We'd talk about God. And I guess I was better able to talk about God than make three-pointers because in the long run, we didn't win any state championships or anything. But so many of these friends of mine now are believers. And when they look to me back then, now I call them and I look to them when I need help. So I want to ask us, as we go to school, as we live at home, as we go in our workplace, are we representing God? Because God can do so much bigger than whatever the next project is that we have going on at work, whatever the thing that our focus is. Reason sometimes we don't share our faith, we're fear of being rejected, uh, the awkwardness of trying to enter into spiritual conversations with people that we know believe differently than us. We don't have enough time right now to invest in other people's lives. Or we're only spending time with people in the church or many, many others. 
one of the ones I struggle with is there's somebody I really care about a lot and, and I've been wanting to share the gospel with them for years now, but I, I just, I don't feel a sense of the open door. And what I've been noticing is the more and more we hang out, the more I'm like, I think, I think it's about time. I just needed to spend more time with this person. I'm not sure what the barrier is between you, me, feeling the boldness to share Christ, to share the gospel. But you can do it. A lot of stories about high school today, but they're, they're kind of all connecting here as we go back to school. I, I knew that I wanted to share the gospel with friends in high school. And I remember back then, that was the time that I was most afraid. To, I don't even know how to share the gospel. And I'll tell you crazy stories. There was literally times where somebody come ask me a question. And I thought, oh boy, what am I going to do now? I have no idea to answer this. And I literally opened my Bible one time and I'm like, oh, perfect verse. And I just started reading that verse because it was like the perfect answer to their question. And I, I don't share that story with you as a strategy. But I am sharing that story to say, do not be afraid. God is with us. God wants to do wonderful things for you to experience him and share him. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even till the end of the age. One of my favorite verses that says, this is our purpose. This is our purpose to go make disciples and to teach them to be disciple makers. And so if we're going to do that, we have to say to ourselves, you know, what's my story? When did I first realize that I needed God, that, that I've sinned? How did he come into my life and share the gospel and share our story with others? And from there, we can go and follow him in obedience and being baptized and joining community and participating in communion, the celebration of Jesus Christ.